So this morning's scripture comes to us from the book of Colossians. If you're following along in your own Bible, we're going to read chapter 3, the first four verses of chapter 3. It'll also be on the screens behind me if you'd like to follow along there. As we read the Word of God together, that, uh, that God has a message for each of you. These are God's very words. Uh, and so I in- invite you and encourage you to go into this with a spirit of listening uh, to the Holy Spirit. Let's read together. Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. God has offered us this word this morning, and so we give thanks to him. Will you pray with me? Lord, our great God, we invite your spirit uh, who is in this place to speak to our hearts in a powerful way this morning. We know, God, that you have the ability uh, to speak to each one of us individually something different something new. And so here we are listening to you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever purchased or received something brand new that was white? Like, yes, like a new shirt. Maybe you're wearing it right now. Uh, Some new white pants if you're super fancy, um, or maybe you received a brand new, beautiful pair of white shoes for Christmas from your mother-in-law. That's right, you guessed it, I'm talking about my shoes. Uh, You can take a moment to admire them, they're beautiful and white and awesome, and uh, don't laugh at me, sister, they are awesome shoes, and uh, and if you've ever received or purchased something white like this, that's an article of clothing or an accessory, you know what it's like to walk out your front door wearing that white thing. It can be pretty terrifying. Like this morning when I was coming in through the parking lot, there were puddles of water and mud everywhere, and I was tiptoeing through because what happens if I get mud on these shoes? They're ruined. They're not white anymore. It's almost like if I were to take this Sharpie right here and crouch down and just draw a black stripe right there on my brand new white shoes. Was that painful? It's over now. You don't have to dwell in that pain anymore. Uh, They're my shoes anyways. The reason that was painful for you is because you have maybe experienced the same thing, right? That one slip of spaghetti sauce on your white shirt, and it's over. That shirt is now going to Goodwill. And um, 
It's a painful thing. Well, the past few weeks, uh, we have been preaching the truth that for those who have believed in Jesus, you have been made new. Uh, And we have been spending time debunking some of the uh, connotations that go along with new in our consumer culture. Uh, We talked about how uh, we have this thing inside of us that knows, just knows, that if you get something brand new, it's going to cost you and it's going to cost big. We have also spent some time talking about how when you get something brand new, as soon as you drive that brand new car off the lot, uh, you have lost its newness completely. In that one moment of driving it from the parking lot onto the road, it has depreciated in value by 10, 15, even 20 percent. That car will never be that valuable ever again. As soon as something is new, it just goes down from there. It's not new any longer. And so this morning, uh, I want to ask you this question. If you have been made new in Christ, can dirt make you worse? Can dirt make you worse? We're going to look at Colossians 3, what God has to say about you, his new creation. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, or Colossae, Uh, And he begins this part of his letter, chapter 3, verse 1, by saying this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul is giving some instructions to those who have been raised with Christ. If you have a question about what raised with Christ means, I'll uh, tell you, and I'll also invite you to investigate further by reading Romans 6, Uh, or even turning back a page and reading Colossians chapter 2. I don't have time to get into it, but in short, if you have been raised with Christ, as Christ was raised from the dead, that means uh, that anyone in that category are those who have believed in Jesus to be saved from their sin. Those are those who have been raised with Christ. And so Paul is speaking to this audience of believers and tells them, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we have to ask the question, what are the things above? Another way to ask this question is, what are the things that God is all about? What are the things that are close to God's heart? We know from Scripture uh, that the, first, the foremost thing is, is love. God is all about love. We also know that God is all about humility. God is all about the ministry of putting others before yourself, of living selfless. Another way to say this is dying to yourself. You'll hear that in his word. Something else we know is God is all about the pursuit of his children. God is all about pursuing his children. We know that God is all about defending his own glory and his own word, the Bible, and its truth. And we also know that God is about the work of making things new. And so when Paul says to the believers, 
set your heart on these things that are above. There's a reason he says that. It's just common sense. If you want to live in such a way uh, that are living out the things that are close to God's heart, you set your heart on those things. Whatever you set your heart on is how you live. If you set your heart on being a loving person, then when you go out into your day, there's a decent chance that you are going to love those around you. If you set your heart uh, on being humble, then when you're confronted with an opportunity to be proud or to respond in humility, you have a much better chance to respond in humility because it's what you set your heart on. The flip side of this principle is also true, however, uh, and a great example of this is babies. Babies have their hearts set on their own comfort. Uh, And that's not necessarily a bad thing. They're just babies. It's okay. We offer grace to babies. But babies have their hearts set on their own comfort. And so when they're hungry and they're uncomfortable because their stomach is growling, what do they do? You can tell me. Cry. I knew you guys knew the answer to that question. Babies cry when they're uncomfortable. When a baby is tired and they wish they could fall asleep in their crib, they cry. They scream. But it's not just babies that have their hearts set on their own comfort. <coughs> when, I was, uh, when I was about 13, 14 years old, I got it set in my heart that I wanted to be the proud owner of a brand new iPod. 30 gigabyte or 32 gigabyte iPod video. I want this iPod so bad. But I was a poor 13-year-old. I had no money to purchase said iPod, Uh, but I set my heart upon it, and so it was to the detriment of all my other possessions and to my younger siblings that I set out on a mission to get enough money to purchase this iPod. And so what I did was I began to sell everything that I owned that was mine, like toys and stuff. Um, I didn't sell my clothes. I knew better than that, but um, I only had two outlets for selling things, and the first one was eBay. So anything that I owned that actually had value, uh, I brought it, set it out, took pictures, posted on eBay, and sold it there. Unfortunately, I did not collect the money I needed to buy the iPod from eBay, and so I turned to my second and only other outlet of collecting money and selling things, which was by conning my younger brothers and sisters, into purchasing my junk. And so before all of you, I confess and repent and say I'm sorry to my beloved brothers and sisters for conning you out of your money, Um, but I'm forgiven, so let's keep preaching. Um, So I wound up collecting enough money, and I purchased this iPod, You can see what my heart was set on by the fruit of my labor, right? And this is true for all of us. When your heart is set on something, it's evident in your life. Um, And so Paul is just saying, set your hearts on the things that are close to God's heart so that you'll live in that way. Live in a way that pleases the Lord. But here's what happens, believer, when we when we go out and we try to do this. Maybe you hear a great sermon or a great song, a great worship song, 
you read something in the Bible and it's really inspiring to you and you set your heart on being a loving person that day and you go out into your day and at first maybe you are able to be a loving person. Maybe you go a whole stretch of days being a loving person. But eventually you will come across something that pushes you too far and you will not respond in love, either outwardly or inwardly. Eventually, the heart of even the believer will be set on his or her own comfort and their life will reflect that. And when we do that, beloved, we feel dirty. When we are confronted with our sin, we feel dirty. And so we think, I'm not worthy of God's love. In fact, why would God love something that's, that's dirty? God's perfect. God doesn't have room for sin in his presence. So, so how could I be in his presence? How could he love me? He may have made me new in Christ, but I've screwed it up. Brothers and sisters, this message that we preach to ourselves so often flies directly in the face of what the gospel says about you. It says that when God makes you new, your dirt does not, cannot make you any worse. It cannot make you dirty. And I'll prove it to you right here in Colossians 3. We're going to do a brief exercise together. Uh, so what I want you to do is... Uh, if you would say to me some words that you believe describe humanity apart from God. Go ahead. I'll take any, any words. Dead. Great. Tristan, you can write that one down. Lonely. Perfect. Sorry? Sad and guilty? Sad and guilty. Lost. I'll take one more. Broken, depraved. We'll take both of those, actually, because depraved was also said in the 9 o'clock service. Broken and depraved. You got that, Tristan? Okay, now I would like for you to tell me words that describe and define God. Sorry? Prayer? Prayer. Okay, so God is one worthy to be prayed to. You could write... Right, put down worthy on the screen. Father and almighty. Perfect. And I heard one over here. Sorry. Perfect. Yes, perfect. Loving and amazing. And we'll stop it there. Loving and amazing. And then you can put that on the screen whenever you're done editing that slide, Tristan. Beautiful. So here's the thing. Apart from Jesus, these words that describe and define humanity describe and define you. It is your identity. When you're apart from Jesus, if you feel sad and lonely, you are a sad and lonely person. When you are faced with your own depravity and you sin, you are a depraved person. That's who you are, apart from Jesus. Lost, broken, dead, all the same. 
But God tells us something different for those who have been raised with Christ here in Colossians 3. We're going to look at uh, verses 3 and 4. <coughs> it says this, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you have your Bible and you have a pen or a highlighter, I want you to underline and highlight the word hidden in Colossians 3, 3. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That word hidden is the Greek word crypto. And what crypto means, literally, is that something or someone has been covered up, concealed from view, and it's used in a way that says that uh, people can no longer find whatever it was that has been crypto. They don't know where it went. And so when Paul says that you died and your life is now crypto with Christ in God, what does that mean for us? That means, if you could put the, that slide, thank you. You no longer have that as your identity, that humanity, because you have literally been placed inside of and covered by God. And so when God looks at you, beloved saint, he doesn't see someone who is dead. He doesn't see someone who is depraved or lost or guilty. He doesn't see guilt. He actually sees his own characteristics. Do you believe that? God, help us believe that. Your newness no longer depends on your own actions or your own dirt that you can pick up to taint your identity. You can't do that any longer because you are covered up by God himself. If, again, I'm talking to the believer. If you have believed in Jesus, you are covered up by God himself. You can no longer collect dirt because do you think that anything you could do positive or negative, could have any impact on the character and image of God? Surely not. And that is the image and character that now covers you and hides up your former self from view. It's concealed. Galatians 2 says that those who uh, have believed, it is no longer you who lives but Christ lives in you. Do you believe that? So we're made new. We can't make ourselves dirty. Great. We still feel it. So, so now what? Well, first, I need to speak to the unbelievers in this room for just a moment. If you're here and you have not believed Jesus, first off, I am so glad you're here. But if you're here and you're feeling unlovable, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you so much. 
And if you're here and you're feeling dirty, in fact, too dirty to be accepted by a perfect God, I'm here to tell you that His Word that He has given to us says, no sin is too dirty to be washed by the blood of Jesus. And if you're here and and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't need God. I'm doing pretty good on my own. I'm just inviting you to consider the weight of the message that is being shared in the Word of God and at least just take a second look at your life and try to be honest with yourself if you really don't need Him or, or maybe you do. And if you fall into any of those categories or any that I haven't mentioned, please don't leave here today without talking to to myself or Pastor Jason or, or any of the members here that we would love to talk to you about Jesus. All right, let's go back to Colossians 3. <coughs> There's another word we need to highlight. It's about how we live now as believers. Uh, and it's the first word of verse 3. It's that word for. It says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Anytime you see the word for when you're studying the Bible, you can tell yourself this. The word for means that it's connecting whatever is in front of and coming after that one word. They're connected. And one of them is the purpose for the other one. Uh, An easier way to understand this is if we replace the word for with the word because. So we're going to read verses 2 and 3 with the word because instead of the word for. And it says this. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Paul does not say to the believers, set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things, so that you can, you can live in a way that pleases God, so that you can be hidden with God. He says, set your hearts on these things so that you can live in such a way because you have been hidden with God. You don't have to earn your position, your new identity inside of God's grace. We just live out of that. It's given to us freely. The moment you believe you have been made new, nothing you can do can taint your newness. You cannot put any stain on it. This is where the analogy of my wife's shoes falls short. You see, I could go home and get some sort of solution and clean off this Sharpie mark. And often that is the theology that we have as believers. We think, okay, well, I believed in Jesus. God made me new. I was clean in that moment. Then I go out and I sin and I get dirty again. And I have to go and confess and beg God to forgive me and clean me off once more. But that's not how it works. When God has made you new, he has covered you up with himself, and you can no longer get dirty. When you try and draw on yourself with a Sharpie, it doesn't stick. You can't make any dirt stick on the character and the image of God. You just can't. And so this is what we do with that saint of God. You go forth and you live, free to make mistakes. But you live each day 
in your new identity, learning to live a little more like Jesus. And how do you do that? Well, set your hearts on the things that are above, where God is. God is well pleased with you, beloved. You no longer depend on your own merit for your newness, but you depend on the merit, the image, the character, the grace of a perfect and holy God who covers you completely. Let's pray. Lord God, such truths are almost too wonderful for me, as the psalmist writes. I pray that you would be faithful to continue to teach us this truth day in and day out as we need it, as we sin, and we need to be reminded of our position in your family. God, even as we just take a moment now in silence to listen, I pray that you would reaffirm us and who we are to you. Thank you, Lord God. God, we also want to lift up this time of offering this morning. These gifts, they really belong to you, God. We're just stewarding them, and so I pray that you would bless the gifts that are given and use them in powerful ways in your kingdom to share the message of newness, of grace, with those who need to hear it. And I ask your blessing on those who give, Lord, uh, that they would experience the freedom and joy that comes from, from giving things away. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.